Welcome to Energy Matters to You, January 24th, 2020 edition. The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seek to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. We're your hosts. My name is Leo Ryan, and I'm here with my co-host, Ron Galuli. Well, uh, we've taken a couple of months off, Ron, but uh, I wanted to start by just talking about the State Energy Efficiency Scorecard. Once again, Massachusetts finds itself at the at the top of the list. Did you have a chance to look at that? I did. Yeah. So Mass is number one again, but we also have some other Northeast states right up there. Vermont is number three. I think Connecticut was number six. And let me check where New York was. Actually, New York was number five. So quite a few right in the top 10 there. So that spells uh, good news for the region. Yeah, there's there's pressure by uh, competing with your neighbors. I know I I saw the uh, governor of Rhode Island speak recently at a national grid event down at Gillette. You were there. And uh, when she was kind of joking about the fact that uh, she has Massachusetts in her sights and looking to knock them off from the number one spot. I hope she does. <laughs> yeah, you you of Rhode Island. That's right. From Rhode Island uh, background. That's right. Prism Energy is one of the uh, one of the contributors to the success of the New England, Massachusetts, in particular, energy efficiency performance. So, so Wendy Simmons, welcome to Energy Matters to you. Well, thank you, Leo. Appreciate it. And you've uh, you've been in the energy efficiency world for a while. Is that is that not true? Only since 1984. <laughs> so you've seen some things. Uh, yes, I have. So why I don't have. you tell us a little bit, but we're going to talk a lot about PRISM, but I'm curious about you, about uh, what was the spark that uh, that drew you into this uh, to this marketplace and, uh, and what sustained you all this time? Well, it was quite by accident, actually. I, um, I was a teacher and I didn't like teaching. And wasn't sort of intellectually stimulating enough, interesting enough. I liked okay. kids, you know, it was fun, but, it, you know, sort of a little lacking. So uh, my father, who uh, uh, was a industrial engineer and ran a big textile mill, you know, we talked and I said, I want to get a job in business, undefined yeah. business. So interestingly, he signed up for a then state program, the precursor to DOER for an energy audit. And this engineer showed up and did an audit of his mill, which was a million square feet. And they got to chit-chatting and this guy needed uh, actually an office manager. Okay. And my dad said, well, that's funny because my daughter's looking for a job in business. And so I interviewed for this guy in 1984 and I got the job. I went from being the office manager, you know, it was a small company. So I would edit this guy's reports. I would help put them together. I started kind of ghostwriting them for him. They started using me in project management. They started kind of teaching me some engineering. You know, it was more on the construction um, side of things. And uh, I found that very interesting. And apparently I had a little bit of aptitude for it. So my role there expanded. I actually left for three years and was a project manager in real estate development. And then the real estate market crashed, if you recall, in the late 80s. And then there were no more real estate jobs. And I actually went back to my old company and I you know, worked for them again. And 
they won the first small CNI lighting program from what was then Mass Electric, now National Grid. So then I was kind of in it full tilt and uh, I worked there for a total of 15 years and then they moved and I took that opportunity to go out on my own as opposed to undergo the long commute. So, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. So, and that, so that was the foundation of Prism. The uh, your your old employer moves, and, and you wanted to stay where you were, and, and that that sparks your desire to start your own company. Right. Good. Okay. And then when Prism started, did it have a particular focus, either in efficiency or or a part of the marketplace that it was interested in serving? Yes, it was funny because I ended up bidding on and winning the same program I had been running at my former employer. And I told them, I gave them four months notice. I told them I was going to do that. And I said, but I will hire and train my replacement and may the best company win. And they had no idea what I did because I kind of did it somewhat independently within their company. And um, so I ended up winning it. And so started the company based on small CNI lighting program, which we grew, you know, progressively over the years and then, you know, expanded that into large commercial and then expanded the large commercial into things other than lighting. So now we have a full engineering department and we do sort of middle and large size projects, um, typically comprehensive projects of multiple measures not led by lighting. Lighting may be a piece, but, you know, we kind of lead more with the mechanical and control stuff. So that's much more uh, a focus and a, a bigger piece of our business. That And that's the, a piece of our business. We continue to grow. Wendy, what year was it that you started, uh, started Prism? I founded it in late 1998, but really kind of opened doors officially in the contract. That contract became live, you know, January of... Uh, of 99. And then, uh, Ron, where, where were you in 1999? Were you with National Grid? I was with National Grid, yeah. I actually worked in their Marlboro office. So at that time, I was delivering energy efficiency and also doing new services, upgraded services for large commercial industrial customers. Yeah, I was aware that, you know, Wendy had started a business, but I think, Wendy, you were mostly in the small business space. Right. Uh, and then you migrated to, to what you mentioned in the medium to large business. Well, Ron, let's um, talk from the utility side of things, the way that they were, the way the utility was structuring incentives for small CNI and then and larger employer, um, larger companies. Can, can you give us kind of a, a, a flavor for what the utility was going after then and how they might have evolved their approach to serving the marketplace? Yeah, sure. I mean, back in, I'd say, 1999, and Wendy, you know this better than anybody, the budgets that the utility had were nowhere near the size that we have now. And a lot of the measures were lighting focused. Uh, we were still doing uh, T8, you know, fluorescent lamps and ballasts. Uh, obviously, things have changed. And I know, Wendy, it sounds like you're gravitating away from lighting. You know, what have you seen in the last five years? Um, and I think you mentioned in one of our discussions last December, I think you've moved away somewhat from the small business market where you originally started. That's correct. You know, so the small CNI market is very simple lighting. And 
you know, though we do, a, you know, a little bit of that, we're mainly focusing on larger customers, larger projects, and more sophisticated solutions, even on the lighting side. So more of what we're doing is LED lighting with advanced controls. Um, sometimes those controls integrate with building, you know, building controls, and we can use, you know, relays at, to, you know, kind of utilize the lighting controls also for the HVAC, you know, for VAV boxes and, you know, opening and closing dampers based on occupancy and other variables. So, you know, those are sort of more sophisticated lighting solutions and also, you know, larger and more sophisticated mechanical and and building controls and even industrial controls, you know, some combined heat and power, you know, heat recovery, things like that. So, Winnie, if you go back, um, it's uh, 20 plus years since you started the company and you just listed off a, a bunch of different technologies. I'm curious to know what your sense is in, in talking to the customers you're, you're serving about like their level of sophistication, their, their interest in, in new technologies or different technologies. Have you, have you seen a, a shift in the way the, your buying group is evaluating technologies and making decisions about them? Absolutely. And, you know, that's driven by what customers want, what they ask for, what they know that drives the initial sales conversation and right into the the design and implementation. The analogy I love to use that people seem to understand is the smartphone or phones in general. So the beginning of energy efficiency programs were like your grandmother's rotary dial phone. You know, a phone with a wire that had this round thing that had holes in it with numbers and you, you know, you dialed a number, right? And all the way to, you know, the first cell phones were bag, you know, the car phone was a bag phone that you plugged into your lighter and it was big and clunky. And now we have these cool, you know, iPhone 11 with three cameras, very light, and it's a computer, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a smartphone. The technology that we're using, you know, the, the initial lighting, we, those were dumb products. Those were your grandmother's rotary dial phone. And over the years, you know, we got into T8s, which was the flip phone, you know, and now we're into advanced lighting technologies, LED, with so many options that, that has a computer chip in it that you can tell it what to do just based on command or based on environmental cues, that's that's your iPhone 11, you know, with the three cameras. There are lighting controls that can analyze data about occupancy, you know, patterns uh, in a warehouse um, that informs the warehouse manager well, you know, you go into the back corner, which is this set of products, more often than you are things in the front. Well, let's put that stuff in the front because you're going to create efficiencies in your business by doing that. So right. it's very exciting and very fun. Technology didn't change much in the first decade of my business. And, you know, it's changed exponentially in the second 10. And frankly, the last five is, is it's almost hard to keep up. but it's exciting to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good it's a good challenge to have. Right. Well, one of the things that uh, Ron had pointed out uh, to me earlier that the utilities 
have have begun really advocating for these uh, fully networked controls for lighting systems. And, you know, with a partner like the utilities standing behind the incentives and, and serving now as an advocate for these, it makes it more attractive financially to these customers. And oftentimes the customers, you know, they're busy, busy running their facilities and don't spend a lot of time and energy investigating the, a, a new round or a new development in technology. So I'm curious, Wendy, with, with your knowledge and your background in this and, and having seen lighting systems evolve, are, are you sensing that uh, these customers are receptive to, to implementing these kind of more complex systems over the simpler ones that they know? I think they're very interested. I think uh, on the lighting side, they get a little sticker shock at the cost, even with incentives. And here's the challenge. You know, good, smart customers have upgraded their lighting multiple times in the last 20 years with increasing technology and performance. So each iteration, you're gleaning less savings for your investment because you've done what you're supposed to do. So, you know, the advanced lighting solutions are, you know, quite expensive. They are underwritten, you know, to a degree by the utility companies, but it is a little bit of a law of diminishing return on the savings based on the technology they're coming from. So the economics, you know, remain a challenge. Uh, I think forward thinking customers look at it, you know, less transactionally, uh, we have a couple of those types of customers where they're, you know, they, they're looking at it and saying, well, you know, we're going to own this building for the long term. We're going to own this building for 20 years. So I'm okay with, you know, the payback being longer because I'm going to own the, the building for 20 years. So I will reap the benefits over time. You know, it's a little bit like putting your money in a, a, a low risk uh, investment that, and let just letting it play out over time, as opposed to putting it in a risky stock that's you hope's going to give you payback in three years, that sort of thing, or double your money in three years. You know, in the case of the investment, you know, although some people still look at it transactionally, I want a three-year payback. I'm not going to do it if I don't get a three-year payback. But you know, LED lighting in a in a facility that doesn't run three shifts. You know, even with controls, because the controls are also expensive, you know, may have a five to seven to eight year payback. So you've got to have an appetite for that or you get financing and try to finance for the term of the payback or maybe a little bit longer than the term of the payback so that you can create a cash flow neutral or a cash slightly cash flow positive scenario for them. So, Wendy, you've talked about the advancements in lighting and the available data that can help improve operations. We've seen, I guess, the same progressions on the mechanical side, and right. the utilities have recently, I'll call it, retooled their retro-commissioning programs, and they call it ESPO. Have you been participating in that, that program track? I know that's a special area of interest to in them to see that growth. Right. I will tell you, we we are talking to several customers about it, and you know it's a new pro, newer program. So I think even the folks we're working with at the utilities are in a little bit of a learning curve on that. And um, so we haven't done a project. We have a number of customers that are interested. We have a couple that a few that are proposed, and I think kind of participating sometimes in a, in a startup program it can be a little bit fits and starts in terms of timing. 
and that, that's what we're finding. Yeah, I can, we understand because uh, in in our business as a consultant, we we see the same thing where there's a lot of buzz and talk about it. But yep. um, I think to your point, the utility personnel is still trying to figure out, okay, how do we handle these different nuances with the program? Right. So, Wendy, let's just talk about uh, Prism and its uh, go-to-market strategy. Tell us, um, you know, who's a good fit for Prism services uh, geographically, industry-wise, size? What, what are the kind of people that you want to, and businesses that you want to serve? I would say, you know, 50, minimum 50,000 square foot building to 100,000 square foot building, ideally larger. Um, but we do work in, you know, some unis and you know schools, schools and and um, you know larger regional high schools and things like that. Um, we do a lot of property management, larger building property management, larger campus types of facilities, colleges and universities. Uh, we have a large uh, hospital that's a campus, old-fashioned kind of campus-style hospital down in Connecticut, one owner, multiple buildings or campus style, you know, facility layouts, you know, folks who want to do multiple measures. Uh, we like to do comprehensive projects and have multiple measures and, and measures be certainly beyond lighting. Um, we love unique projects that kind of are, can be complex or that you need to innovate on. And we like working with sort of, innovative and kind of blue chip kind of customers who, you know, have some sophistication on the economics and the financial piece of, of the project so that we can, you know, we can get it done. We're doing a multi-phase project at a fish farm, which has been kind of an interesting one. It's a facility that raises Branzino and their challenge was with their existing system, they weren't getting the tanks warm enough for the to be optimal for the cultivation of the branzino, which is basically sea bass, um, and so they supply restaurants and things like that. And so the, what happens is when the fish are not warm enough, they don't grow as large. So you know they have fewer pounds of fish to sell, and also they don't grow as quickly. Um, so you want them to grow quickly, and you want them to grow to a big size because it's all about volume and pounds, right? So um, this was somewhat of a startup and so had, you know, sort of limited capital. And so we were able to kind of innovatively use their existing heating system to get the tanks up to pretty much the optimal temperature year round. And phase two is probably going to be uh, using CH CHP and, you know, cut down on the, the, you know, obviously there's a lot of pumping and things going on. So they're using a lot of electricity as well as the heat, you know, for the, for heating the space and heating. These are very large tanks. So that one's going to be neat because phase two is CHP and there's discussion in, in the sizing of the CHP that they may add a greenhouse by which they use the organic fertilizer created by the fish to fertilize the greenhouse, like lettuces and things like that. And the greenhouse also, we can use the heat from the CHP and, you know, use all the electricity. So heat recovery is very interesting. And uh, the use of combined heat and power and even fuel cell, optimizing the thermal end of CHP and fuel cell installations. That's a, that's a great story. And that's uh, kind of 
brings the, the conversation back to where we started about your own curiosity. So it's not just about energy efficiency, but uh, serving a unique need, in this case, the, you know, the growth of, growth of uh, indoor fish farming. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us. No problem. Wendy, anything else that, um, that the listeners should know about PRISM, like how to contact you or, or things that you're working sure. on? Sure. Um, you can find us at our web, you know, our website, www.prismenergyservices.com. Contact at prismenergyservices.com. Again, if you want to use old technology, 617-328-9896. We are on all social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So someone could even use a, a rotary dial phone to reach you if they wanted to. They could. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Wendy Simmons from Prism Energy Services. Thanks so much for being part of Energy Matters to you. Well, thanks for the invitation. Good. Ron, Thank what, do you, we Wendy. Get, what do we get going on in the calendar? What's on the energy calendar that folks should know about? Ooh, well, the, the next event uh, that should be on everybody's radar locally here in, uh, in the region is the Association of Energy Engineers Utility Night, which is for February 5th in Waltham at the uh, Embassy Suites. So I believe there are two speakers from Eversource going to talk about their strategic vision for energy efficiency in distributed energy resources. So that'll be a, a popular night on the 5th. You're a good man, Ron. You've been, you've been serving that organization for a long time, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I do the newsletter. So, right, I'm the, I'm the guy that bugs people to send their stuff in. So. Yeah. I think I have a permanent job there. <laughs> well, you, already, you, you served the president's role, so you get, they had to move you out of that at some point. Right. Good stuff. Well, uh, Wendy Simmons again from Prism. Thanks so much for being part of uh, EM2U. As always, uh, we're looking for ideas and guests. So if you do have them, please feel free to reach out to, to Ron and I. Uh, congratulations to all of those associated with the energy efficiency in Massachusetts and retaining that uh, number one spot nationally. Uh, so obviously there's still work to be done and you're all doing it. Thanks for the difference that you do make. So signing off, Ron Galuli and Leo Ryan for Energy Matters 2. Thank you. Thank you.